0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor H. A. Espinosa. We are reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter, here in a new book here, in the book of Zechariah. It's, uh, as we have seen in these first four chapters, it's, you're like, hang on a second, is this in the Bible, right? I mean, this is, uh, yeah, there's these really interesting images, and today, Have we got, if you've liked the last four chapters, have we got a treat for you? So today it's the vision of the flying scroll and also, um, as the ESV puts it in the, in the heading, a vision of a woman in a basket, but, but wait, there's more. There's also two women with stork wings. So, what is going on um, this is it's very it's very very interesting it's fun stuff to look at what this it's all symbolic it all has meaning it's God speaking to us through pictures right instead of uh, like lists so it's um, it's just a different mode here so very cool stuff. When we get through this, we're going to be very well prepared for the book of Revelation when, when we do that real soon. And joining us today, I'm happy to say we've got, returning for us here, we've got Pastor Dustin Beck, pastor now at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Good morning, brother. Welcome back. So good to, to have you back. I know that you, you do a lot on KFUO, especially with Sharper Iron, but it's a treat whenever we get to have you over here on Thy Strong Word.
1: Yeah, it's great to be back with you, Pastor Espinosa. How have you been?
0: good good you know it's uh it's it's been it's been an interesting uh you know couple couple of months here you know and uh you know just the transition of course from uh epiphany to to lent is uh kind of an interesting season in the church but uh but yeah but things have been good and uh i we were chatting just a little bit before uh the program and you were saying a little bit about how uh you are i guess you said like 5 months into a, a new call right
1: yeah, yeah, we're in a new place. It's uh, it's a little more rural than our uh, our previous call. Uh, we were in Corpus Christi, Texas, for about eight and a half years, and uh, you know that's a city of three hundred thousand. And uh, now we live in a little town called Warda uh, that has I think Emily may have brought the population up to a hundred. <laughs> that's maybe. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's wow, it's right, a, really it's a little hungry, different. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the thought that, you know, crossed my mind just now is I was just thinking, you know, before this, we were doing the book of Joshua and just, I don't know, just kind of the setting of Joshua with like heads of father's houses and the 12 tribes. And I mean, just kind of the, the mode of living that you see kind of in the Bible. It, it feels like it's closer to that of what you have in the rural parts. Right. I mean, not oh, to I say think that definitely. it's like, I mean, yeah, yeah. We've-
1: We've got maybe um, I, I would say there's probably more than twelve last names in the congregation, but um, it, it's I've I've stopped asking if folks are related. I just ask how are y'all related uh, because everybody's related to everybody. You know, it's this yeah, is such yeah, a special right. part of uh, of the state. Um, the congregation's 147 years old. I mean, these are some of the uh, the early Wendish uh, Lutherans that came over um, oh, around the you know yeah. just after uh, Walther and the. Uh, the founders of this, uh, the LCMS. Um, but they kind of landed down here in Texas. And uh, a lot of them have been here ever since, you know, 150, 160 years.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, no, that, that's, um yeah, it, it's such an interesting um, thing to consider, like the history of our, of our synod and the different immigration groups, you know. And yeah, a lot of them landed in Texas. A lot of them were like, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess, you know, the way that they put it was sort of like, hey, you know, we already found God's country. Why keep yeah. on going north? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> so, I like you. you. You put things
1: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I spent some time in Texas, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with the, uh, you yeah, know, with the, with the mindset. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Very good. Well, let's, let's go ahead. It's a shorter chapter, but I think we're going to have our hands full just looking at this really different imagery here. So, I mean, we should go ahead and dive into it. As we do so, brother, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening along today as we go through this chapter together?
1: Absolutely. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you that your word um, is made clear in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ, that um, in him we see light and we see life. Uh, we see the very life that was uh, nailed to the cross on our behalf and has risen again for us um, in the glories of Easter. We ask that as we, uh, as we invest our time this morning uh, in a little bit less clear portion of Scripture, that you would continue to use Christ um, as the light for our path Uh, and as the light for our eyes as we uh, walk through uh, Zechariah chapter 5. Be with us, Lord. Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, let's see. Let's just go ahead and read just the first two verses. And when we have that kind of before us here... Right, you know, behold. Right, <laughs> then we can kind of take a step back and say, okay, now hang on a second. Where is this coming from? We, we've had some visions already here in in Zechariah. We actually kind of started off right away, even from chapter one, with just like these these different images. And so once we kind of have these first two verses read, let's stop and think. Okay, what what's the significance of seeing this after everything that we've seen so far? And and how is this kind of you know fitting into the bigger picture? So this is Zechariah chapter five, just the first two verses here. Again, I lifted my eyes and saw and behold a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and it's width 10 cubits. All right. So just right there, (laughs) the first two verses, right? And yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it it, yeah so not only does it fly it flies um but it's also you know it says they're you know 20 cubits by 10 cubits in other words it's it's 15 feet by 30 feet long i mean it's a giant flying scroll okay so um noteworthy thing and uh yeah what i mean how is this like striking us after every you can't notice it's like the least well you can't not notice it but in some ways it's kind of like the I don't I don't know the the least crazy thing we've seen so far. So I I don't know your 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 thoughts on introducing this chapter here with everything that's come before. I mean
1: first of all just the image that I get in my head is you know those flying banners that sometimes yeah. will fly across the sky. I mean it's a flying uh-huh. banner but there's no plane pulling it. Uh, there's just this <laughs> this big huge banner. It's it's absurdly large, right? Yeah. I mean uh, the 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 scrolls of the day in the days of Zechariah were usually, uh, I mean, generally speaking, they're about 11 inches tall. So you think about a legal size right. of, or a, a, letter, a letter size of paper, right. just a piece of letterhead, mm-hmm. 11 inches. That's, that's about how, how wide they are and then how long they are. Well, some of them got quite long, actually. I mean, um, the, uh, uh from the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, one of the, uh, copies of Isaiah was nearly 30 feet long. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. um, in length, it, it, I mean, it, it's a long one, but the dimensions on this thing are just way off. This thing, you can't miss it. Um, it just stands right. up there. And, and, and not only is it there, but it's, it's up there flying through the air. And I think before we uh, totally um, what's going on with this scroll and everything else, we got to talk just a bit about uh, Zechariah, the, 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 the idea, the theme of the entire book right? So uh, just right. to paint a little background, I know your previous guests have done this as well, but this is the context is always key. So yep. Zechariah means Yahweh, the Lord, remembers. And mm-hmm. why is it important that the Lord remembers? It's important because it's nearly been 20 years since they started rebuilding the temple. Remember the book of Ezra? Right. I mean, it's, it's way earlier mm-hmm. in the Bible, but chronologically speaking, this is what we're talking about rebuilding the Mm -hmm. temple so it's been nearly 20 years and all that they've got um, is they've got the cornerstone uh they've got an altar and they don't have much else and everything is just there have been people that have come along and they've kind of said oh you know it's never going to be as nice as solomon's temple they've Mm -hmm. said you shouldn't even bother trying and so for nearly 20 years the people have just been kind of i mean it's almost a laughing stock when they see where the temple should be and where it's not, and so Zechariah comes to remind people, God has not forgotten you. God remembers you, right? And so there's, there's the governor. There, I mean, the kingly guy who's in the picture, Zerubbabel. We talked about him last right. chapter. The chapter mm-hmm. before we had Joshua, the high priest, right? Um, you know, a, a type of Christ, sure, yeah, but also mm-hmm. the high priest at the time. Now we're going to actually uh, talk about what's amongst the people. So everything here is to to kind of re-energize the people, to give them almost kind of a pep talk. I like that. To give the people kind of a pep talk and say, hey, guys, let's finish this thing because we got to build the temple because you know who's about to be in the temple? The Lord himself, right? Right. All of this is pointing towards Christ. That's why Zechariah is... Uh, he's among the minor prophets, but he comes at the very end, right before Malachi, right before that, um, you know, take a deep breath. Here comes John the baptizer. Um, Zechariah is here to paint that picture for us of saying, listen, the king, the the, the Lord himself is about to step foot in this temple. We got to get this thing built, guys.
0: Right. Yeah. No, thank you for that. That really connects well with what we've seen so far. Like there's all these really different kinds of images, but I mean, through all of this, we, we've been seeing, yeah, there's a lot of strong connections to what we looked at, you know, several months ago back in Ezra that, yeah, there's this idea of, you know, get the city ready, right? I mean, and, and you mentioned John the Baptist, right? Well, I mean, there is that sense of, you know, you know, make way and get this place ready, right? I mean, you know, we saw that measuring line, you know, back in in chapter two, that description of like, hey, you know, get, get Jerusalem ready here and, uh, well, I mean, and then the, the Bizarre image of it, not having regular walls because there's a wall of fire. Right. And just kind of however it is just this idea of guys, there's more to this city than it's, it's just a city that you can live in with, with walls to keep you safe. Right. Like it's, this is God's city and the stuff you're doing here has bigger significance than, than just this, this place with, you know, stone fortifications. Right. I mean, it just really fits well with, with what you were saying, I mean, it's a, it's a pep talk in the sense of like it, it's it's encouraging them because hey guys, there's there's a lot more to this than you know than as you were saying than the kind of outward laughing stock might suggest.
1: Right, and so what we're going to have in this chapter in particular is the idea that we're going to build this temple, we're going to build this thing up. Um, but the important thing is that we're going to build it proper this time. We're going to build right. it correctly, right? We're going to remove the impurities. We're going to make sure that. That there's, um, uh, there's not a a, a tainted um, kind of cornerstone uh, that's being laid, but instead we want to make sure that it's uh, that it's solid and it's sure. And so Zechariah is going to hearken all the way back to the Sinai covenant um, that God made and say, "Listen, this st- this stuff still applies. Um, these are still important things for you to to remember and to hearken back to and to hold on right. to." Um, and so the evil doers they got no place here,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and. You know, so as, as we're, you know, so it, it makes sense in the context here of, you know, we're, we're, we're purifying, right. And getting this place ready, we're doing it the right way. Right. And, and I think that kind of that idea, uh, we'll, we'll see that. that the, even the idea of measurement and dimensions, and even when we get to the part about a basket, it's a particular kind of basket with a sort of volume. So this kind of doing it the right way thing idea, right. is kind of, I think a theme that we've seen, um, how else do you think maybe this flying scroll kind of fits in with the sorts of images that we've seen, right? Because, I mean, we've been looking at, I mean, these things like there's like a lamp stand and, you know, there was a vision um, of, of the high priest. There was a vision, you know, we said like of the measuring line, the wall of fire. So, I mean, how does it strike us when we get to a flying scroll after seeing all the stuff we've seen so far?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, he's essentially what Zechariah is seeing is he's seeing the temple being made in front of him. He's seeing right. it being laid out in in terms of the attendance, in terms of the lampstands, in terms of of the wall around it. Um, and this one in particular, um, I, I I honestly the first time that I saw this this next little thing, I'm going to drop uh, this. I, I, the first time that I saw this, I said, oh, that, doesn't, that doesn't seem very, I mean, that seems like the flimsiest little bit of data ever. Um, but then I saw it in another commentary, and then I saw it in three more, and I said, oh, maybe there's something to this. And that is the fact that these dimensions, the 30 foot mm. by 15 foot um, mm-hmm. dimensions of the original temple, um, as far as the porch, the portico that stood outside, they, they also called mm. the vestibule. And that's the area where the priest would stand and interpret the law for the people, right? And so this is the place where the priest Mm. would almost basically preach his sermon and tell you, you know, tell Israel. This is what the Lord has said. This is what um, you know the, the 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 covenant means for you, and so when we right. see this, like I said, I mean, the first time I saw it, I was just like, okay, that's just a coincidence that yeah, somebody yeah, right. That out. And this actually shows up in uh, in First Kings chapter six. If anybody wants to look that up, um, but this huh. is the idea um, is that as the new temple is being kind of visualized in these visions that Zechariah has, um, here he sees a uh, a new portico a new uh, vestibule right and in this one it's not going to be you know dependent on some priest's opinion instead this is god's own word this is his right. own law i mean it's it, we're going to find out it's going to be his curse right over all the well, disobedient yes. over all the unbelievers and so that's that's what we see here unfolding uh, was that what you were looking for as far as uh, how, how do the visions <laughs> unfold yeah
0: or or unrolling right um yeah but yeah yeah, i I think (laughs) no that's that's thank you thank you yeah no that's helpful i think i i agree that it's these are all things that are kind of in or associated with the temple right so even though we kind of look at this especially you know if anyone's just joining us right for the first time (laughs) like hang on what the flying scroll right and you know like you were saying to us we're like so is 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 that like the Goodyear uh blimp banner or something like that? You know, like right. but but no, it's it's all these things that are either in or associated with a temple, like you know, the scroll or a lampstand or or the priest who's in the temple, or even the the walls that are going around the city that the temple is in. And as you were saying, it's it's really striking how the kind of like gigantic size of it, right? Not that it's really unusually long because you're right. I mean, a, a scroll could get that long though. I mean, you're, you're mentioning like that was like an Isaiah scroll that is like one of the longest That's scrolls things. there is. So <laughs> it's still pretty long. Um, like, you know, so that, there's something to be said about that, but the, the dimensions, right. Being like, it, it's like so large, it's as if, right. The scroll is basically, if you can kind of like imagine it maybe in our own context, it's, it's as if the pulpit, right, in the church is just kind of wrapped around in a giant scroll, right? Yeah. So it's just like you were saying this idea that it's, it's not even going to be that in the same way that, you know, we're not really going to be the walls or build the walls. God is going to do the walls and the walls are going to be a fire in the same way. It's not that we're really going to be the ones interpreting and explicating the law. It's that God is going to do so himself with this giant scroll. And so, yeah, the, the idea of, hey, build this temple because, hey, look, in the midst of all this, God is the one who's doing it. And it's a lot bigger than the outward appearances suggest.
1: And I think one, one thing that is just crucial to, to remember when we're talking through this book is that the temple isn't built yet. Right, and so yeah. he's talking. He's envisioning the things that will be. You know, it's not like I mean, when when Isaiah prophesies and some of the you know some of the former prophets, whenever whenever they see things, you know, they're seeing the action. You know, Solomon's temple right there in front of them, and then they see, you know, the the heavenly throne room, et cetera, et cetera. But here, this is um, this is Zechariah looking over a, a pile of lumber that hasn't been assembled. I mean, it's been right. sitting there for you know, for 17, 18 years by this point. And so right. he's showing them what the temple will look like. Remember, none of these exiles that are coming back, um, they haven't seen the temple. They didn't grow up with Solomon's temple. And so Zechariah is almost kind of showing them what it will look like, right? And then at least, I mean, this is kind of a, a spiritualized what it will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think it's literally going to have... You know, all this stuff that he's that he's saying. Pretty crazy. <laughs> right. Right. Versions. But but
0: it's like as you're saying, it's it's very like showing language and, and less telling language. And and we do have the exile, I mean, and the return from the exile, I mean, just in the immediate past. I mean, you know, back back in chapter two, like, you know, we we saw that, you know, up, up, flee from the land of of the north, right? This this right. idea, you know, escape to Zion. I mean, these are the guys, it's like, you know, they've just gotten off the boat they're in war to Texas right you know after right. <laughs> after their long voyage and they don't know what it's supposed to be like here and they, they don't know how it's going to go right you know they, they've heard about you know how it used to be you know uh, back in the day but uh, you know they haven't seen that themselves so right yeah it's um yeah that that really kind of puts us in their shoes a little bit kind of appreciate this so <clears throat> we do now have a description actually of the scroll. Um, and of course, I guess the last thing that we should say before we continue in, in the text, it just says you're, we, we, well, we know that it, it's Zechariah who's narrating this, but he goes and he says, and he said to me, so who, remind us who this is again.
1: I was just, I was just looking at that, hoping that was going to be your one more thing. Yeah. Um, so that's <laughs> the, the messenger of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. Um, we would understand this to be a pre-incarnate Christ in all likelihood. This is, right. um, this is the one who is guiding him through this series of visions. Um, and re- re- referenced uh, back in chapter four, uh, referenced previously as well. Uh, but here, yeah, interestingly enough, um, it's just a he, um, in this section, but it does refer back to right. the same, uh, the same messenger, the Moloch Yahweh for people who are, right. you know, Hebrew and are following along.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that is the significance, right. Of it being, um, just, just having a, a pronoun. Well, I mean, just really just a pronoun implied by the, the verb, I think here, Yeah. but it's, um, it's this idea that, I, I mean, th- there's this guy who's just kind of, um, you know, been here the the whole, the whole time, who just kind of keeps guiding him. And and yeah, it's as you said, we've, we've had this actually mentioned a couple of times that he's identified as the angel of the Lord, which just as we've seen, and we saw this, we saw this even a little, it's a little bit in that one scene right before they went into Jericho, right? That there was this figure who mm-hmm. is the commander of the Lord's army. Right. And, and you, when you have these appearances, it seems like it's not just your standard angel, right? This isn't just, you know, Gabriel showing up. There's the
1: angel of the Lord. Yes. Right, <laughs> the
0: specific right. one. Yeah, right, right. exactly. And this just, so, this just
1: feels like revelation to me, doesn't it to you? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Being so led this is... through a series of visions. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yep. this is, this is totally getting us ready for revelation. And, and when we, uh, when we do get to revelation, just, well, nothing's going to throw us off. Right. So, <laughs> well, I've seen all this stuff, but <clears throat> all right. So he's explaining this stuff, right? He's not just throwing the images. He is going to tell him also what's going on. So let's read what he actually says, what the angel of the Lord, mm-hmm. right. Says about this uh, remarkable sight here in verse three. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side. And everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. I will send it out, declares the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name, and it shall remain in his house and consume it both timber and stones. So, a very ominous interpretation of what this yeah. big scroll is, right? It's a big giant cursing scroll and it's aimed at two sins, two groups of people in particular. So, yeah, I mean, I mean that's it seems like it it has something to do with this context that we've been talking about. What do you what do you make of it?
1: So um, I mean this is the central uh, idea here is that God's word is still true, right? Because we, we yeah. hear those callbacks and I, I think that's what I'm going to just call them as callbacks. We hear those callbacks to Sinai, you know, you know thou shalt not steal, um, thou shalt mm. not bear false witness, right? Uh, we hear these callbacks even, I mean, didn't you even get just a little bit of a um, y- y- you get a note of almost kind of the Passover? Right, um, that it's going to go out, yeah. and enter the house of the thief and him who swears falsely. I mean, that's a that's a plague of the firstborn kind of kind of language, right? Well, and, and this, the cleaning out
0: language, right? The cleaning yeah. out language is sort of similar to Passover, like with just like the feast of unleavened bread, of like kind of right. purging the house. Yeah, I, I kind of see that.
1: And so, I mean, that's one of the images that we can have in our in our mind's eye whenever we're talking through this um, is the one that's going to um, going to purge. Right, that's a yeah. that's a good word. Uh, is to purge the evil, purge that which is unclean, um, out of uh, out of what we're doing here, because we're building something that is going to be built right this time, because the Lord Himself is showing up. Okay, right. So uh, one of the thoughts that I had, um, and this is, um, I I would be curious your thoughts on it as well. You're much more intelligent than I am here. Uh, is this uh, in the that verse three, no, don't sell yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole, now the word there is Haaretz, right? The yeah. whole land. Um, But I mean, that's that's bigger and broader than just Judah, right? I mean, this is hmm. the, the curse that goes out over the, dare we say, the earth?
0: Hmm. hmm. Yeah, you know, that that's an, it's an interesting point. I mean, this is the ambiguity that you have. Sure all the time throughout the scriptures. Cause it's not any better. Once you get to Greek in the new Testament, you have the term, you know, (laughs) a gay and and gay is like, well, that, I mean, that can be the land or, you know, the, the land, you know, the the, the earth. Right. And so you have that in the beatitudes, right? Like that, the meek shall inherit the earth. Um, but then also there's this idea of like the salt of the earth, right? Continuing on in Matthew five, which we had not too long ago, uh, back last month. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, i think it's one of those things where in all likelihood that it it starts out with the the local sense that you know even when it says like the whole land it's like it's probably thinking of like you know the whole like land you know this land that we've been talking about all of it um but you know it's it's not really possible to kind of separate that from the idea of you know just the whole thing though the whole planet because I mean that just goes back to to Abraham, right? By by you, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. But I mean, I think it, I think it almost always seems to start with that local sense of, hey, we first need to clean up um, Canaan, you know, because I mean it's it's a mess right now. I mean, this is all the stuff that that Isaiah was talking about, right, towards the end of Isaiah, that you know we we had this destruction come upon us with the Babylonians, and all you guys are you're, you're compromising left and right. Like you're, you're, you're invoking the name of Yahweh, but you're doing it alongside the names of all these other gods at the same time. And, um, you you know, so, so it's just this idea of, you know, this place has got to get swept clean and put in order, right. You know, to use a little bit of a language in the new Testament also too. Um, And then once we've kind of done that, it, it kind of goes forth. Um, Well, so kind of
1: a the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I mean, it's
0: yeah, we're
1: telling the story specifically of Judah, but it's ultimately of everywhere. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right yeah no it always, it always yep yeah exactly it's It's always Very it's always good. starting small and getting bigger that kind of typological pattern but right, right. yeah okay, so yeah yeah, I, yeah good good uh good thoughts there but yeah all right well let's go ahead and actually it's, it's time for our break but everyone hang on with us we're looking at zechariah chapter five we have another vision coming up here on thy strong word we'll be right back Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Zechariah chapter 5, and we just talked about the giant flying scroll that purges and brings destruction upon those who lie and swear falsely. Wow. You don't remember that from the Bible. Well, <laughs> well, you're in for a treat. We've got this image, this metaphor here, this uh, vision that Zechariah sees, but then we also have upcoming, the, we've got the woman in a basket, um, which which is not like a, a carnival sideshow. It, uh, it's, it's not a Sunday
1: it's, school it's, story. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't remember not, that
0: one. It's <laughs> uh, the woman in the basket. What? Uh, and uh, today we are joined uh, by our guest pastor. We got Pastor Dustin Beck, pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warwick to Texas here. Uh, so yeah, we were just talking about this idea of there is that kind of ambiguity. It's, it, it's talking about this. It's going to kind of go out over the whole uh, land and that, you know, y- y- you can take that, you know, ultimately in the, in the big you know, sense, but uh, maybe it starts local. But the thing I wanted to kind of, before we uh, go on to the next image, it talks particularly about those who swear falsely and those who steal. And as you mentioned, yeah, those are that that sounds a lot like the way that the Ten Commandments are phrased, or at least two of them. But kind of right. why those two in particular? Do you think?
1: Well, I think that um, this is almost sort of a, a summary of the the two tables of the law. So we have mm-hmm. here: everyone who steals shall be cleansed out. That's love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, and stealing is 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 kind of one of those words. Uh, you know, Paul boils down the whole law. Um, as coveting, right? Um, and coveting is where where um, sin begins. Uh, but I think we could also view the entire second table of the law through stealing, um, through stealing our, our neighbor's um, authority, through stealing our neighbor's life, through stealing our neighbor's spouse, through stealing our neighbor's uh, possessions, reputation, etc. cetera. Um, and so I think that, um, that we see a little bit of that, but then on the swears falsely side of the thing, we're really talking about a, a first table issue. We're not talking about eighth commandment here, but we're talking about the one who calls upon God uh, to be his witness in a false way. Um, yeah. and, and so there is uh, this this first and second table aspect. Um, but uh, the thing that I think is, is really crucial to see, but because when you look at these two visions together, the flying scroll mm-hmm. and the woman in the basket, they're both visions of judgment right? There's not a lot of gospel (laughs) wrapped up in this chapter. Um, And so you can see uh, the first vision of the flying scroll as sort of judgment on individual sin, Hmm. right? Um, It's talking about for everyone who steals and everyone who swears falsely. So this is talking about the individual people who do these things, who, uh, who live according to, well, essentially according to a lie because that's what stealing right. and swearing falsely is is wrapped up in. Um, in just a second, we're going to get into this second vision. It's going to deal with more of a corporate or more of a natu- uh, national sin. Um, so uh, more people involved than just the one.
0: Thank you. I think that, you know, I had not actually thought about that, how you, you could, in a way, kind of summarize the t- the two tables um, in this way certainly that name of God idea right I mean the, just the name of God that that is kind of, kind of a summary all by itself of right. of the first table it is um, the, the last thing you were saying though that that in a way they're kind of two different forms of stealing I, I think that's that's really interesting and I think this is something that we that we fail to grasp because um, very very often when we hear this stuff about swearing. Just, I mean, and you know how this goes, like that when, you know, our good, pious parishioners, like, you know, hear about, you know, like, you know, hey, don't, don't swear or curse, swear, use satanic arts, right? They know their, their catechism, right? It seems like the first thing that we think of is like using potty language, right? I mean, that's like, we're, we're thinking about, you know, cursing and swearing, like, like, oh, like, like that. No, 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 none of that. We don't talk that way. Um, And while. Um, I certainly think it would be good practice to avoid speaking that way, right? Um, It seems like when the Bible is talking about cursing and swearing, it is literally talking about cursing things, putting curses on things, and swearing by God. God's name, and well, the you know, by we just, God's
1: name is the important part because it's cursing by yeah. God's name, swearing by God's name, using satanic arts by God's name, lying by God's exactly. name, deceiving by God's exactly. name. It's all tying it to God, and so tying God to a lie is what really the second commandment's all about. Yeah. <laughs> y-
0: yes, right. And so, th- thank you. That that that's the thing we got to see this together. And what what's interesting too, right, is actually in Hebrew, um, the word there. Everyone who swears falsely. Um, It doesn't actually say falsely. It just says swears. And I, I think that the idea then is that we should be taking the two ideas together that people are swearing by God's name to steal from people. And this is exactly the point that Luther made and this is exactly the point, even that our Lord himself made in the Sermon on the Mount, that so often the reason why you would swear, this was the way that you offered a guarantee, right? Like today, you know, there's like a guarantee and, you know, it's somewhere you you, you always lose it, right? But you look it up on the website later and you're able to return it to Amazon or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in this time, right, you, you, you make an oath and you swear. And this is how you convince someone to make the purchase. Right. And you would swear by, you know, the names of different gods. And the idea was like, oh, like, well, you know, this God will will punish me if I if I'm lying to you. And you're like, oh, well, that's a very powerful God. You wouldn't you wouldn't mess around and swear by his name now uh, if, if you were lying. So, OK, yeah, sure. I'll trust you. Right. Um, <clears throat> so this is what was going on. Um, it has been going on for a very long time. And, and maybe it's not what we see today in our own context here in the U.S in the 21st century very often. But yeah, this would have happened rather a lot that people would have sworn by the name of God as a way of stealing, as a way of depriving someone of their hard earned money and income and goods, right? For something that is less than what they are uh, promising. Right, and, and so you see that you see that with Luther, that was the way he described it in the Catechism. You see that even with our Lord Jesus, when he says, "Let your yes be yes, and your no be no," because anything else comes from the evil one. Anything else is a way of trying to cheat someone out of things with lies.
1: Absolutely, be people of the truth.
0: Right. So, so it makes sense in in the context, and, we'll, and you mentioned. I think you mentioned, um, you know, um, Haggai and Malachi. Um, or one of the two, but like some of these end profits, like there's this, this whole theme about stealing from God, stealing from each other, right? right? Like it, it's this whole thing about being slothful to provide the resources that are needed to get this thing built, right? It's because we're being greedy. We're, we're stealing from each other. We're stealing from God. And so I, I think it actually does speak to the context that we're pointing at. But as you said, we should consider how it coordinates because you're right. I think it does coordinate with the second vision. And we, we gotta, we gotta spend a little bit of time on this, oh, yeah. <laughs> this second vision here. Cause it's uh if you thought the flying scroll was, was weird. <laughs> uh, all right. Buckle up. <clears throat> yeah, I yeah, know that's right. So, okay, let's go ahead and read this second half, the second vision here. Then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, what is it? He said, this is is the basket that's going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base." That's perfectly
1: clear to me. It makes perfect good sense. Yeah, I
0: I know, right? I mean, just (laughs) makes totally sense. I mean, it flies, right? I mean, like just like the scroll. I mean, and this time, and this time, actually, this time, we have something actually propelling the basket, right? It makes more sense than the The first. The stork ladies.
1: Yeah, 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 of course. Stork ladies.
0: So, 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 yeah. So there's there's a few there's a few elements here. Um, I, I will say, I, I'm guessing that one question that's on people's minds is like, hang on, why are they all women? Right? Like, you know, like mm-hmm. why, why yeah. is, why does wickedness have to get represented by a woman? Right. Is this the whole blaming Eve thing again? Right. You know, so, uh, I think that that's one of the lenses that we have in the 21st century as we look back on this sort of stuff. So, okay. So what's the significance of this stuff? You know, there's a basket, what kind of basket? And there's a woman who represents wickedness, right. Or, or at least, um, well, that might be one translation of what we have here. So, break break it sure. down for us if you can. Okay, yeah.
1: So the basket is um is, is an EFA basket. It was a, a measurement that would be used uh, for for weed or for other things that you'd put into baskets. Um, it's likely uh, an EFA would be too small for a grown woman to be in. Um, it's <laughs> either this is a um, a smaller, um, uh, in stature woman. Um, I, I mean the kind of the commentaries say maybe it's an actual idol, right? Because that's what mm. we're talking about here is ultimately idolatry. Yeah. Um, or, you know, in in keeping with the the ginormous flying scroll from a few verses earlier, maybe the basket's a little oversized. Anyways, uh, we're not concerned with the, the measurements here of qubits, et cetera. Uh, so there's this basket. Right, and then inside of it, um, there is this lady. You ask, um, why is the uh, why? Why does it matter that it's a lady? Uh, well, a right. lot of the um, a lot of the the pagan religions of the time, um, especially you know, I mean, in, in Babylon, where the people had just come back from exile, um, a lot right. of the religions um, used uh, this kind of goddess worship. This idea that um, you know there are gods, there are goddesses. A lot of times, the goddesses were there for you know, fertility type uh, rituals and causes. And, and they were the, you know, the, um, the goddesses were in charge of uh, things like sending rain, things like uh, helping your, your, your wife to get pregnant, all that kind of stuff. Um, Usually it wound up with uh, things like temple prostitution and all kinds of uh, um, terrible things like that. That were Absolutely, um, out of step with being people of God. Um, and mm-hmm. nevertheless, I mean that's that's kind of the image that comes here. We see it again in, in Revelation towards the end. Remember uh, of the um, the harlot woman, um, Babylon, Babylon. Right. Um, that right. whole that whole idea. Um, and so this is uh, it's clearly labeled, right? Um, I love the interplay that goes back and forth. Lift up your eyes, see what this is that's going out. And so I said. I don't know, what is it, right? Zachariah uh, yeah. right? doesn't quite know. Um, and well, so I,
0: well, I mean, would any of us, right? You look at, it, what, what am I looking at right now? I,
1: there's, a, there's a big basket. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why there's a basket. And so, yeah, then the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ says, this is the basket that is going out and this is their iniquity. It's their iniquity. I mean, this is the, um, uh, I would say this is the the people amongst Israel who are not really Israel, right? These are the ones that have, um, they've brought their own, um, they've brought their own idols from Babylon back into the promised land. Like they're going to, they're going to have their cake and eat it too, right? We're going to go back Mm -hmm. to the promised land. We're going to go back to Judah. We're going to rebuild a temple. Uh, But oh, while we were there. Um, And this was this is another reason that um, that you ask about it being a woman, right? Is that a lot of times um, the uh, Israelite women, or men rather, would marry themselves off um, to foreign wives, right? Mm -hmm. What comes into the bedroom with a foreign wife? Uh, Well, Mm -hmm. their idols, their religion. Right. And so these are the things that had been brought back into the promised land. Um, And again, the whole idea here is that we're going to build this thing up and we're going to build it up. Right. We're not going to have those impurities. We're not going to have that that evil. We have to purge that stuff away. And so that's what this is a picture of uh, here is that um, that wickedness of idolatry um, that had infected the nation uh, previously. And that was the whole purpose for their um, their exile. Right. Right. Um, all of that is going to go back. It's going to go back. Where Where do you think it's going to go back? Right back to Babylon. Right. We're going to send it back there yep. so it can it can plant and it's it can have its own um, wicked fruit there.
0: Right. Yeah. Send it back to where it belongs, but but keeping yeah. it out of right the the land that God has promised for for His own presence and for mm-hmm. His possession. Right. Right. And that's the picture yeah and and i think that that really that makes a lot of sense the way that you're putting it in terms of like you know seeing the association between the idolatry and these these goddesses um i mean like i mean we we know you know i think we mentioned it when we looked at isaiah that we we have discovered you know in these archaeological finds you know stuff from like judah that said like you know you know blessed be the name of yahweh and then all and then it names like his consort, it, it names the, the goddess consort that's supposed to go with them. And you're like, hang on a Wait second. A I don't remember that <laughs> being in the Bible. Well, cause it's not because like they were taking right. foreign goddesses and saying, Oh, look at this for this foreign goddess is the one who goes with Yahweh. Cause that's how the pagans did it. They'd always pair these, these gods and goddesses together. Like you were saying this fertility cult. And so, uh, yeah, you know, so maybe it, maybe it is an idol, you know, it is a very, um, I, it's, an, it's a neat suggestion that maybe that's why it, there's a woman in the basket because it's you know like a, a small one right the kind that you'd have a, as an idol um, you know and just of course um, like you were saying too just this the whole idea of the the, the the temple prostitutes or even in Ezra right the foreign wives who bring with right. them the idols. So there's those sorts of connections there's maybe one other side of it that I wanted to get your get your thought on. they're in verse six. Where it says there, this is their iniquity, right? It doesn't. So the word isn't iniquity there in the Hebrew, um, well, at least most Hebrew manuscripts, right. right? So, what do you make of that? And what what is it?
1: <laughs> yeah. So the other uh, the other variant there um, is to say that this is their eye, right? Like, yeah. like you have two of them in your head, your eyeballs. Right. This is yeah. their um, their eye in all of the land and so that's um i, I read about that in a, in a couple of the commentaries and it kind of talks about um this is uh, either the um the eye is the window to the soul kind of this is the the wicked uh the wicked way of looking at it because it's i mean in, in verse 8 it absolutely says this is wickedness
0: right. right we don't right
1: we don't have any any variance there <laughs> um, no but but this is their eye in all the land is to say that they have a wicked eye this is the way that their eyes are always set their eyes are back towards Babylon. Their eyes never really wanted to be here in the first place. Um, you know, when we we issued the call, the resounding uh, invite to come back into the promised land and to build this thing, they were the ones that kept their eyes kind of like Lot's wife, right? Uh, they kept their eyes back over their shoulder at Babylon saying, man, we wish we could just stay back there, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah, well that's actually that that's that's a lot further than I got. Um okay. kind of considering <laughs> how eyes might make sense of it. Um yeah, I hadn't considered that. I mean that, that I guess that there is a way that that makes sense. I was just gonna say that it's probably an instance where eyes got copied from earlier, where it says lift your eyes, right? Oh, it's one of those common sure. manuscript errors that if it's going to happen, it's because you just you accidentally like say the same word again when you're not supposed. to You're like, oh right, and this would have been a very easy spot to do it um, because you know the Hebrew word for eye is ayin, and the Hebrew word for wickedness or like guilt iniquity is awon, oh, yeah. And so yeah, so the first and last letters are actually the same. The middle letter is one that's notoriously flexible in hebrew and actually alternates between the two forms so it, from a certain perspective they're kind of basically different you know it, it's almost like writing the same word they're almost like you know uh well, i mean what would you say like uh like homonyms right where yeah um is, is that the term right where they're written the same way so. but it's, it's something like that right but yeah so it, it makes sense as you were saying too just like you know he calls it in verse eight wickedness so it, it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, there's, you know, some manuscripts that say one thing or some that say another, but it, it's kind of, I, I don't, from where I'm standing, it seems like it, it's not very difficult to explain how that might have happened. I but. don't want to
1: say that it's moot, but um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it says the same thing, the same idea yeah. there, whether you yeah. interpret it that way or whether you read it yeah. um, as iniquity.
0: Right. So, so, so then... I was just gonna say so so keep yeah, in sure. mind though that it's iniquity, right? If if that's if that's the idea. Um okay, it, it, this is this is I've been looking at a lot of Greek lately, but um isn't iniquity a feminine noun? Yeah. I think so. Like if if I'm remembering that correctly. So so the thing is so like this, this kind not. of happens yeah, yeah well, see, or well, yeah, I don't think it I has that mouth. ending, but I can't remember I, I want <laughs> to <laughs> no i not no i don't yeah i don't think it takes a feminine ending but i i do think if, if I'm, I'm just remembering it right anyway like you, you have a lot of these kinds of um you know abstract nouns and this is true of both greek and hebrew that just sure. kind of kind of conventionally take a feminine they're, they're kind of interpreted in, like in a feminine sense just because that's kind of how you uh, treat like um things like that are abstract and so in, in greek wisdom truth right like all those sorts of things that they're just they're, they're feminine, just not because only women are wise and true, right? Though my, my wife is certainly both those things more than I am, (laughs) but, but, you know, it's it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's just kind of the, the kind of idiosyncrasy. So it might be in the same way that you have in the old Testament, you know, the lady wisdom and lady folly, right? Again, both those nouns are, are feminine, right? It just could kind of be just kind of personifying, iniquity, just kind of because that's just kind of the Hebrew convention, and we don't necessarily need to take anything in, like, you know, take it as far as like, oh, because women are symbols of iniquity or something. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Um, yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, the uh, languages are a funny thing, right? Uh, why some words tend to be more masculine, some words tend to be more feminine in a linguistic sense. Um, definitely something that a lot of people have talked a lot about. Um, yeah. Can I lay one thing on you, real quick? And this is going to take yeah. just a couple of minutes to, to lay out. Go for it. Because this was something that, you know, we talked about how the flying scroll and a lot of the visions that came before were pictures of what the temple would be like, right? Mm-hmm. And this is no different, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, bear with me. This is pretty cool, right? Um, yeah. So, this is the idea of. Um, a judged and a banished temple this is the one that's going to be thrown out this is the the not right one right but think mm-hmm. about the vision of the woman in the basket as almost sort of a parody of what takes place um in the holy of holies right hmm. so here we have sort of an ark right hmm. basket right a vessel right um, who uh who is you know what's in the ark of the... Well, i mean we have there the covenant itself here we have the anti-covenant, right? Idolatry, wickedness. Um, what's on top of the uh, the Ark? We have the mercy seat here. We have um, a lead uh, lid. Excuse me, I had a cough there. We've got this hmm. lead lid that's been set on top of it that nothing can get out of it. Right. And then uh, it's being taken to the anti-temple, right? It's being taken to the, the plains yeah. of, of Shinar, Shinar right? Um, the, yeah. the place where Babylon is, going all the way back to right. Genesis 11, where, uh, where that false worship was torn down and thrown into confusion. Uh, this is that picture of what worship is not supposed to be like, uh, what the temple is never going to look like. Um, and so it's being cast out. Uh, that was an image that I, I read through a couple of commentaries, and I, I picked that out. And I said, that's awesome. That's cool. That's how yeah. that connects back in with the vision of the flying scroll is to say um, this new temple will not look like this.
0: Yeah, I, I hadn't I hadn't considered that, that. that But yeah, I mean, you, you can kind of I mean, especially if you take it as it's it's an idol or something like that. Right. Or at least, you know, there is kind of that inherent, you know, idol imagery sense that we, we've been kind of discussing right. kind of more broadly. Yeah, you can kind of see you can kind of see that. As like, you know, hey, we're, we're separating these two things out, right? You know, if you want to have, you know, this, this idol in a basket, like send it back to Babylon where it belongs, right? Yeah. And if you want to like worship the true God and spirit and truth, like it's right here, right in the temple, uh, which is, you know, the place where you have. The, the the giant flying scroll and um you know the wall of fire and you know the the plumb line you know with from the angel and all the rest right so uh yeah yeah there is i hadn't i hadn't considered that like the, the um the thing that i was going to in my head sure. was like it's um i mean it's an efa basket right so it's meant to measure things and we've seen this measurement idea kind of again and again actually throughout Zechariah right, right? Like the, the, the scroll is measured like with significance, right? Um, there's this description of, you know, measuring, um, the, the city, um, the, the plumb line, right? So like, there's part of me that's wondering if this is kind of like a little bit like uh, in Daniel where it's like, you have been measured and found, yeah, found wanting, wanting sure, right? Yeah. Like, like we, we've measured this stuff and you know what, this doesn't belong in here, right? We measured it in the basket, right? Like it's, this isn't right let's just seal this off and get it out of here right kind of in the same way that you would throw away like bad old scrolls even yeah. um out of out of, out of the temple. so um, what do you think of that?
1: No, I like it. I mean this is this is clearly I mean this is this is God taking out the trap yeah um, this stuff right. doesn't belong here and so um, and, and I mean even to the um to the uh, the ladies, the two ladies that come up uh, and they they have their these stork wings, right yeah I mean, these are kind of the anti-cherubs. Uh, right, mm. they are um, uh, a stork is an unclean bird, right? An unclean animal.
0: Right, and here yeah. they
1: are um, lifting that thing up and and getting it away, uh, getting it out of there. Um, even doing the Lord's bidding, right? Um, that they would go and they would uh, they would plant that thing where wicked things get planted far away from Jerusalem and instead in Babylon. Yeah.
0: That's interesting, yeah, because you know we saw that in Ezra how there was this description of hey, you know what. God's going to command the pagans, right? And actually he's going to have the Persians, they're going to actually go and put the Babylonians to work. And the guys who are oppressing you, they're going to be the ones escorting you and like working for you right there Mm -hmm. in the promised land. Right. And so, yeah, is this the kind of the idea of like, these are kind of the images of, this is kind of what the Babylonians look like. Right. And which isn't actually too far, even when we think of Daniel's vision, because Babylon was, uh, I think, pictured as uh, it was like wasn't it like a lion with like eagle wings, right? So it's it's like this kind yeah. of bird wings idea, right? So yeah, is it is it just kind of, you know, Babylon's messengers are gonna go back and take this trash where it belongs, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh yeah, it's it, it it's it's kind of weird when you're like, oh it's a stork, right? Is this like, you know, like <laughs> like the legends about, you know, the baby gets delivered, right? But no, it makes it makes sense when you, as you mentioned, thinking about it as unclean and the associations with Babylon. Only a minute left here. Um, so, taking a step back, you know. So, yeah. what's what's the, the the full impact of this flying scroll? Plus, you know, the, <sighs> this this weird, you know, iniquity in a basket, um, sure. and, and just kind of this whole judge this idea of judgment and curse right against the the deception and the in the swearing and and all this.
1: I'll I'll put it real brief. I'll just say this: that sin stands in the way of a proper restoration, right? <laughs> And yeah. Zechariah's entire prophecy is about the fact that the Lord is restoring that fallen tent of David. That um, the yeah. Lord Himself is is entering back into. He's he's breaking into history. He's breaking into creation. And, and of course, we know that to be Jesus. Um, and so Zechariah kind of stands in the long line of prophets uh, where John the Baptist stands and everyone else that says, you know, repent. Um, you know, drive out the sin. Get rid of it. We can't have that stuff. Prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming. He's coming. The King. Kingdom of Heaven is at hand, um, and then comes Jesus, right?
0: Amen. Well, hey, you know, you mentioned that you know maybe it might be hard to find gospel, but I think you found it, right? God, right God there. is coming to cleanse yeah. this and make sense of this messy situation, and because He's the one who's doing it, we know it's going to happen. So, don't have to be discouraged. Don't have to lose faith. Don't have to give up, right? It's not just all up to us. He's going to be the Absolutely. one to take care of things. So. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. It's been, a, it's been a fun chapter. I appreciate you helping us make sense of it. And yes, sir. come on back to Thy Strong Word really soon. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Yep. Everybody, this was Pastor Dustin Beck, pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas, looking at... Zechariah chapter 5 today. Moving on, and there's, hey, look, a vision of four chariots next, right? There's The visions just keep coming. We're going to be really ready to go when we get to Revelation real soon. want to make sure I thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out at lhfmissions.org. Until next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace.
1: You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.